Destination Medicine is a joint project of the regional training hubs. This podcast series brings you medical students' accounts of their experiences in applying to study medicine. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Emma Byrne always had an inkling that she'd like to be a doctor. Influenced, she says, by all of those TV shows she watched as a child. Her mum was a nurse and tried to steer her away from healthcare roles. But Emma was more determined. Perhaps paramedicine, she thought. But then while travelling overseas, a serious bicycle accident put her out of action for 12 months. She returned to Australia, started to focus on medicine, on the GAMSAT and on getting into medical school. She can laugh about the experience now, especially the interview process, which she completely messed up. But she admits it was all very stressful at the time. Looking back, Emma's road to qualification has plenty of wise messages for others still going through the process. She takes Heather Dawson back to her early days when she was still wondering what to do with her life. I think I've had a bit of a convoluted path to medicine. I thought perhaps as a teenager I'd like to do medicine, but thought it probably wasn't a possibility for me. I didn't think I was smart enough. So I took a very long journey into medicine. I did an arts degree and then I did a paramedic degree. And it was during my paramedic degree that I thought, oh, I think medicine could be for me. It's really interesting. I found it interesting to study. And then I was working as a paramedic in London and unfortunately I had a bit of an accident which rendered me off-road for approximately a year or two. And I kind of thought to myself, oh God, if this happens again and I lose my mobility or my ability to treat people in a clinical sense, what else can I do? So I had a few months off due to my injuries and I decided to sit the GAMSAT and luckily passed and got in. So that was kind of my journey and when I decided to study medicine. So it was a long one, but worth it in the end. Was that accident, your bicycle accident, was that part of the reason why you decided to take up medicine? Did it trigger your decision? I think it was a pivotal point. It was at the time a pretty horrific thing to go through. And I think if anything, it kind of led me to sit the gam sat. So it was lucky that I had that time. But yeah, I would definitely say that was the catalyst. It wasn't because of any of the negative things that happened to me, but it just gave me the opportunity to have time and really reevaluate what I wanted in life and where I wanted to be in maybe 10, 20, 50 years. And I thought, you know, I'd like to be working still. And I think medicine is a good career path for that. Did you tell people, your family or friends, about your goal to become a doctor? And what did they say? I definitely told a few people. I think my ego probably got the better of me that I didn't want to tell too many people in case I failed. But I definitely told my mum and close friends, especially a few friends who were already studying medicine. And they gave me plenty of tips and support. But I think as a general rule, I didn't tell many people because I was... I think I was embarrassed in case I didn't make it and that was an unnerving thing for me. (laughs) Did you have a mentor though or somebody that could, you know, guide you regarding this career choice? 
So I was lucky at the time, one of my best friends from my undergraduate degree, she was a PGY2 and she was able to help me a lot and offered a lot of assistance throughout the whole process and what to study and where to find the material. I also had my mum's partner was a doctor at the time and he kind of explained the, I guess, day-to-day living of what doctors do and how the job can change so rapidly and I just found that interesting. So I guess two mentors in the fact that one was a young doctor and then one who had been in the industry for a number of years. So they both had very different experiences and very different things to offer at the time. So I was lucky and I probably could have had more mentors if I had asked, but (laughs) yes, (laughs) that's just where I was at. Did you enter medicine through a specific entry pathway? Yeah, I have a bonded medical place, which means I will do a couple of years rural. I'm already at a rural peripheral site doing my internship. So I think it definitely made it easier. But in hindsight now, I think I would have tried to pursue a career in medicine no matter what pathway I entered through. So, Okay, well, well let's go back to the GAMSAT. <laughs> what was your experience like with oh, the GAMSAT? The GAMSAT's horrible. Uh-huh. So I didn't do any sciences in years 11 and 12, so my basic chemistry and physics knowledge was minimal. I was lucky to have done the paramedics degree, so I had a basic understanding of biology. However, my strong suit, which just comes quite naturally, is English. So I really worked on that aspect of the exam and tried to optimise what I was already good at. And then I enlisted the help of a tutor for the basic physics and chemistry. And then I'd been on a lot of blogs and read what I should do, so I started reading the paper every day. I read a few books that... Are recommended, which I can't remember the name of now, but I, as I said, had a lot of free time on my hands. So I had two months to just sit down and study and read widely. I think the key is just to do a little bit every day. Some days you get up and you don't want to, but just reading the paper for an hour was study for me some days. So the other part of the entry pathway is going through the interview process. How did you get on with the interviews, Emma? So the interviews were scary and I actually, I interviewed for two universities through face-to-face processes, being Sydney Uni and Notre Dame. And in the fluster of it all, I got the programming or the timing mixed up for the interviews. So I thought I had read Sydney Uni gives you two minutes to process the question and then you start talking for six minutes. However, that was Notre Dame. So when I went into my Sydney Uni interview, I read the question, sat there politely. The question was probably three sentences long and was gathering my thoughts in those two minutes. And then after about one minute, the interviewer said, are you going to talk or answer this question at all? And I was like, oh my gosh, um, yes, when the bell goes. And he's like, there's no bell for this. You just start talking. So all my interview prep that I had done for the weeks leading up to it, including talking in the mirror, practicing with people, asking certain friends to ask me questions and then me give them the answer, went out the window because I was so flustered and so taken aback. My face went bright red. I was 
sweating from places I didn't know I could sweat from and shaking. (laughs) So that question went very poorly and all my prep out the window. However, I had five stations left to redeem myself. So I just thought, you know what, that one's gone, leave it, don't worry about it. And I moved on and I think I did okay in the other five stations. I must have done something right. So I think you can prep as much as you can or like do as much as you can, but sometimes the nerves get over you and you just have to remain cool, calm and collected. And maybe that's what they were looking for in a doctor. Maybe he thought, oh, well, she was thrown, but she got there in the end. So who knows? (laughs) So how many universities did you apply to altogether? Uh, I did the portfolio for both Wollongong and Notre Dame. And then everything else was automatic within New South Wales. And then you apply to Sydney Uni separately. So it was quite a process. And I don't think I really appreciated how hard it was to put forward a portfolio. You have to get a lot of resources, contact a lot of people that you may not have spoken to in a while. So for instance, school principals and things like that. And you're like, oh, hi, remember me from six years ago. I'd like a reference. So I think overall, I probably applied to 15 universities, but I really put a lot of work into three of them. And you finally got into Sydney, is that right? Yes, finally got into Sydney Uni. So could you give any advice to those about to go through this whole process of application and interviews? Any advice that you've learned along the way, Emma? I think being realistic in what you're setting your goals and what you want to achieve is really important. I had given myself a time frame to get all the portfolios together in two weeks and it just wasn't achievable. So I almost missed the deadline for both of them because I was trying to get so many things together in one go. I think they give you a few months between knowing your GAMSAT results, knowing you have an interview and finalization of everything. So just take your time and maybe even start looking at it a year in advance. It sounds terrible, but doing that might help you. And then I also think really looking at where you want to live is important. So do you want to live rurally? Do you want to live in a city? What state do you want to live in? And then really look at the application process for that particular uni in that particular area. Unless you're like me and don't really mind where you got in or how or (laughs) what you had to do. But some people are really concerned about where they have to live, which I understand. Was your intention always to work rurally, though? I think yes. I grew up in a small town and I think the healthcare systems there were hard to access as a young person. It was a one GP town and everyone knew everyone. My mum was a nurse in the town, so there were definitely concerns if I ever went there that (laughs) mum would find out. Not that I did anything terrible, but it's just that privacy. (laughs) And I think You have a lot of opportunities in a rural place that you don't get in the city. And I'm learning that more and more as I go through. So I finished university now. I'm working in a rural hospital in Wagga. And I think you get to see a lot more general medicine. You get really interesting cases because, unfortunately, the healthcare literacy is low and people really trust you. And I think it's a really respected part of the community being a doctor and Yes, you do get that in some city areas, but I think it's really pronounced in rural towns. And tell us, how have your different placements gone? Because you've had experience in various settings, both rural and metropolitan. 
Yeah, so I did my first two years in Sydney. So whilst at university, I was at Westmead Hospital, which is possibly one of the biggest hospitals in New South Wales. I'm not quite sure, but it was busy. I didn't know the consultants. I didn't know any of the medical staff. It was very much a you're there for a little while and then you leave. And I think that's partly to do with the way that my university's program worked. You don't have that much face-to-face contact time in the first two years. But I chose to do my last two years rurally, so my third year in Orange and then my fourth year in Dubbo. And I think the experience that I learnt there was invaluable. Like when I compared it to some of my Sydney friends who stayed at bigger hospitals you were actually part of the team. You weren't just a med student and people took the time to teach you. And I don't know, I like going to the hospital every day was enjoyable, whereas a lot of people find it difficult or a little bit daunting, whereas I never had that experience being at a smaller hospital. Now, you mentioned earlier, Emma, your reservations in telling people that you wanted to be a doctor, just in case you never got there or you failed somehow. Um, (laughs) A lot of people in medicine experience imposter syndrome. Is this something that you've experienced at all along the way? (laughs) Uh, Daily, I think. I Perhaps more now than when I was a med student. You'll get phone calls now saying, hi, doctor, and you're like, oh, I don't think you're talking to me. And then, oh, no, 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 you are. I think as someone who, not that I've always been good at everything, but I've always put a lot of pressure on myself to be good at things. And sometimes I think you bite off more than you can chew and that can be scary. And imposter syndrome is common in medicine because I think there's always so much more that you could know, despite you already knowing quite a lot. So imposter syndrome is definitely something that I experience but I'm trying hard to not think about it and just to be open and realize my limitations and realize what I'm good at and just take it from there. But it is something that creeps up all the time. And I think a lot of friends and I talk about quite often. Do you have a key message or key messages that you'd like anyone considering medicine to take on board before they take the final plunge? I think had I talked to myself five years ago about my approach It would be something about being realistic in your goals and sometimes it's okay to fail. And if you really want something, then you can do it. So just keep trying. I think my first experience, I was so scared of failing that I didn't tell anyone. I could have potentially tapped into a lot of different resources had I just been open and been like, yeah, I think I'm going to do medicine. I'd also say that medicine or studying medicine in particular is hard but it's also so rewarding. I think I don't know many people who are excited to go to work or excited to learn, but most days I'm excited. I'm not going to say every day. There's some days where I'm like, what have I done? I should have (laughs) been a tour guide or something (laughs) a little bit more less draining. But I think if you have a passion and if your passion is medicine, then you should just try and do it no matter what. And there's so many different fields in medicine. Like I'm still learning every day how many different jobs there are and all the different roles you can have. It's not simply being a GP or being a anaesthetist. You can do so many different things, which I think is an exciting prospect considering we're going to be working until we're 80, 90, 100 years of age. So 
having something that you can really dabble in a lot of different things is interesting. Do you have a, an inkling yet of the direction that you might eventually go? I always thought I did, but it changes daily now. I, I was actually asked by a consultant maybe two weeks ago what I wanted to do. And two weeks ago, I was fairly keen on urology or GP. This week, I love obstetrics. So next week, I might like emergency. I'm not tying myself down to anything just yet. I think there's a lot to experience. And whilst it might be beneficial to know what I want now in terms of career progression, at the moment, I'm just in it for the journey and we'll see what happens. Okay, well, final question. Is there one piece of advice that you wish you'd been given before you started the whole journey into medicine? Take time for yourself because sometimes you have a lot of external pressures and that can be hard, especially if the pressures are coming from within. So you're putting the pressure on yourself. So having hobbies and a life outside of medicine is really important and maintaining friendships and relationships that you had prior to medicine to keep you out of the little medical bubble is really important. So that would be the one piece of advice that I have. Dr Emma Byrne, now a fully qualified doctor working in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales. We trust you've enjoyed this episode of Destination Medicine, a joint project of the regional training hubs. The hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.